The following podcast is a part of RadioMisfits.com. It's time for Caffeinated Comics, a lively discussion and debate on comics, film, television, and collectibles, all fueled by the magic of Frappuccinos. And now, here's your hosts... John and Steven. Hey, it's Cabinated Comics. I'm your host, John Clark. Uh, it's been quite a week. We are three days out from the election. Nobody is thinking very clearly. Uh, as I'm recording this, we are the day after Halloween. And I don't know about you guys, it was a weird Halloween because there were a few kids out. Not much. And I this year, uh, because my life has been 2020 up the ass, uh, I live in an apartment building now, and kids don't come to that apartment building. So I'm kind of high on, like, Twix and Three Musketeers now that I bought for kids that never showed up. Uh, also, uh, our guests this week had to reschedule to tomorrow, so what was supposed to be this week's podcast will be next week's podcast. Um, Steven had other things going on, and I told him, don't worry about it, we'll cover it next week. So it's just me this week, and... S- uh, we've never missed a podcast, so I figured I'd stop by. I also guested this week on the Nerd of All Trades podcast. That should be out in a week or two. So I've already done like a couple of podcasts. Um, but I figured I just want to do a quick one because with everything else going on, uh, Sean Connery passed away at the age of 90. I didn't want to let a week go by without talking about that. Sean Connery was one of the most important actors in genre film that ever existed. He did have an Oscar that he got for the untouchables. Watch it again. It's not, it's not the best movie. Uh, he, he retired 10 years before. We don't know what it was. They just said it was from a long illness. Um, the things we do know was that in 2007, when they were shooting Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, Spielberg and Lucas really wanted Sean Connery to come back for it. He refused because he was retired. Uh, So a lot of people think that he was in decline even then, and that was 12 years ago, that he said he was having trouble remembering lines. Um, With movies like League of Extraordinary Gentlemen was one of his last films. He was having a lot of struggles, so he wanted to retire from the spotlight while... People still remember him well. Um, you don't see that happen very much, but some of the greats do. Jack Nicholson did that. He retired a couple of years ago, and we haven't seen him since. Famously, Johnny Carson did it. Johnny Carson appeared on television, I think, twice in the 12 years after he stopped doing The, the Tonight Show. So actors do have this break. Not all of them, uh, not all of them are Kenneth Mars, who famously died on stage and people thought he was doing a bit and nobody ran to help him. Uh, But Connery was a presence in all of our lives. I mean, of of course there was James Bond. Before that, he had done Darby O'Gill and the Little People, but to be honest, who even saw that movie? Uh, So most of the tributes I've seen have been, he was the best James Bond. He, uh, and yeah, those films are still really good. I think Goldfinger is the best Bond that ever was. And he was the Bond for that time. I backed into him as Bond because I was born in the 70s. So my Bond was Roger Moore. And 
when I was about 12 or 13 and getting interested in the entire Bond franchise, I went backwards. And in those days, it was going to Rockaway Video and renting each VHS tape. And I saw them all out of order because I just picked them based on their cover. And it was it was a culture shock because I was used to the Bond being very smooth and coy and flippant and not really being bothered by anything that was happening on screen. Those are the Roger Moore Bonds, and part of me still really loves them for that. And to see this tougher Bond who was kind of more of a badass who was like, he would do flippant comments, but really it was stalling time before he punched you in the face. And we didn't get a Bond like that again until Daniel Craig. Uh, and everyone is still based on that Sean Connery mold. At the time, he did a Bond movie every year. And they said there uh, in the 60s, they said you could count on the three Bs from England. Bond, Beatles, and... Uh, Oh my God, the Daleks. I don't... <laughs> the BBC. There was a third B. I, I feel like Doctor Who was part of that. What the hell was that B? This is why I usually have someone else to talk to. Uh, if you know what that third B is, is it the BBC? Maybe it is. Uh, please send one over. But there's a picture of John Lennon holding a Dalek. And there was, and there was Beatles Bond and uh, something else. Oh God. I don't know. Sometimes, usually what I do is I'm checking on a phone while the other person's talking and, and seeing what this was. But Bond was this um, huge phenomenon. And Connery, to me, had moved on and he was kind of, he was around. He, he was still around. And I feel like I came into Connery at various points of his life uh, just from discovering things because when I was a kid, he had gotten the Oscar for the untouchables. And I saw that my first connection with Sean Connery is his time bandits. And I mentioned this, this movie on the podcast many times. It's one of my favorite movies. Uh, if you've never seen it, it's a very early Terry Gilliam film. It's very Monty Python. Uh, Terry Jones wrote the screenplay with him and John Cleese and Michael Palin are in it. But uh, Sean Connery plays King Agamemnon in that. And he, comes across as the perfect father figure to support the themes that uh, the child who's going through time is looking for a father figure. And he's just really cool, but he's seasoned and he's mature. And in fact, in the script, it says, um, Kick Agamemnon takes off his helmet to reveal he's Sean Connery or whoever we can afford. They wanted Sean Connery from the beginning. And this was my first experience with him. And he doesn't speak that much. He doesn't have a lot of lines. But he has this power and he had that smile, which just I gravitated to. And then I saw in The Untouchables and when people were talking about it for the Oscar, it was one of those Oscars of like, oh, this guy really deserves it. He's got this long body of work. And I didn't really know what else he had done. And I was, it was like somebody they were I was being shown and told to respect. Uh, but then the next year... He did Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. And of course, I'm an Indiana Jones fanatic. And I admit there's the first one is perfect and all the next three are all flawed. And whenever the hell they make a fifth one, I'm going to see it. And I don't care what they do to it before it comes out. I'm going to go see it. But the fact that uh, Sean Connery was cast as Indiana Jones's father was uh, because Spielberg... And Lucas thought of this as their version of James Bond. And the story famously goes that 
1977, Spielberg, hot on the heels of Jaws and being the hottest director in the world, wanted to do a Bond film. That was Spielberg. If you look at Spielberg's career, he's kind of sampled all the genres. You know, he's made his horror film. He's made his children's film. He's made his science fiction film. He's made historical dramas. He's made his character studies. And he really wanted to do a Bond film. He really wanted to do that big, splashy action movie. And uh, Cubby Broccoli wouldn't talk to him. He said, we only, we are British film production. We only hire British directors. And he could, I mean, Spielberg couldn't get in the door. So Lucas said, don't worry about Bond. I've got something better. And here's an idea I had while I was developing Star Wars. And at that point, Lucas had already kind of blown off directing, which he would do until he'd done the prequels, which everyone wanted him to blow off. Uh, so Spielberg made Raiders of Lost Ark as a tribute to Bond, even though Lucas made it as a tribute to the Republic serials of the 30s. So there's elements in both. So when they decided that the third film would be about Indiana Jones's father, they said, well, let's get James Bond because James Bond is a clear um, aspirational figure for Indiana Jones. And they got Connery, and Connery was available. Connery turned down Star Trek V to make Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Uh, William Shatner wanted him to play Cybok, Spock's brother. And if you want to know how that turned out, go watch Star Trek V. Uh, the actor who took the role is fine, Larry Luckinbill. He's like a character actor. He's not a movie star by any stretch. He doesn't fill the screen. He plays that part well. The movie's a piece of crap. Uh, famously, the podcast that predates this one, Audio Commentaries on Audio Commentaries, which you can find on iTunes. Um, Mike Drucker and uh, Bill Monroe and I all did the commentary for Star Trek V. And we say kind of all there is to say about that movie. So uh, Connery signed on for this. And what I love about that film, it's the second best Indiana Jones film. What I love about that is he kind of plays it the way Michael Keaton plays the vulture in Spider-Man Homecoming. Clearly he knows he's there partly for the stunt casting, but he's also a good actor and he, he, takes on that character and looks at it not in the similarities to a character he famously played for four, but the differences, you know, um, to keep that analogy going, Michael Keaton plays the vulture as a blue collar worker. Who's, you know, who's grifting on the side to make a little extra cash for his family. And that's all he cares about. It's 180 degrees from Batman. And Sean Connery looks at Henry Jones senior, not as James Bond, but the complete opposite of James Bond. Actually, he turn he plays Henry Jones Sr. as my father. My father actually had that hat and that beard at that time, uh, which is one of the reasons I love that movie. It was even more aspirational for me because I was like, oh, I grew up thinking I was Indiana Jones, and Indiana Jones' father is my dad. Uh, so he plays Henry Jones as an intellectual who's never left the his study, but he's still the fraternal figure of Indiana Jones and he's still judgmental on pretty much every action Indy takes. And he's uh, usually not supportive. <laughs> yeah. He's fairly critical in that film. And it's, it's one of my favorite Connery performances. Uh, and he could have taken that as a clue to move into elder state in his roles. But and then in the nineties, unfortunately we get a lot 
of Connery performances that aren't in great movies. You get things like The Rock and The Avengers and Entrapment uh, and The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. All of these kind of elder action heroes are still trying to do it. It's kind of where Schwarzenegger is now. I just watched Terminator Dark Fate on, I believe Hulu has it. Somebody has it for free right now. And I was hoping to really enjoy it. Um, I talked to Joe Friends about it. He said it's better than the last two. Uh, but it's still not great. And it is Schwarzenegger playing older because you can't hide that he's older. He's grown a beard for it. But he's still doing the Terminator thing. And it's a lot of what Connery was doing in the 90s. Uh, it's he kind And he ends that run in, I said, I believe Lee Strong Gentleman. It's one of his last films. And it, it it's almost like he sees the plane coming in for a landing. Kind of like Nicholson, I think. Uh, Nicholson, the last time Nicholson's really good is in The Departed. And he's still kind of doing Nicholson. I think the last time he was great is as good as it gets. And that's the last time he won an Oscar. Uh, they start to get these parts that are just echoes of what they used to be. and And people are casting an icon, not an actor. And you kind of have to look at the divergent point. I mean, as good as it gets is one of my favorite movies. And this is coming a little out of field other than the fact that Jack Nicholson once played the Joker. But as good as it gets is a James L. Brooks movie who did broadcast news and uh, which is a perfect film who produced cheers and uh, the Tracy Ullman show and the Simpsons uh, like really great comedies and, in that, Jack Nicholson plays a guy with OCD and a borderline personality disorder, um, and he's very not confident. Uh, it's a great role for him, and he really shines in it. And it's a very good movie. It's a little forgotten these days, but very, very good. I think I just saw that Netflix was going to run it again. I recommend that. But that's the last time you saw Nicholson play against type. And then after that, it, like The Departed, he's the mob boss. You know, there was a lot of the, the bucket list and um, about Schmidt is an okay film, but all these films are about guys who are still trying to kind of do what they do. And Connery fell into that trap. So you can almost finish Connery with Indiana Jones and the last crusade. I think it's a nice uh, grace note to him. And as I said earlier, he didn't want to come back for the war for the one because he knew he wasn't in, Great shape. In fact, uh, a little around 99, a little around the time he retired, he was offered the role of Gandalf by Peter Jackson. And he didn't take it. And I don't know what Sean Connery in that role would have done with that film. It would have opened a little bigger. I think the way that Fellowship of the Ring opened was, hey, we're finally doing this book. And... so it kind of set itself up as like a literature and a world building film. I think with Sean Connery in it, it's like Sean Connery's in our big world building film. But at that point in his career, would he have turned in the performance that Ian McKellen did? And Ian McKellen was nominated for that first film. And McKellen, really that put him on the map. It was one-two punch of being Magneto in X-Men. But then Gandalf, I think, is the role of his career. He plays so many shades to that. And I don't know if Connery would have done it. Connery didn't want to live in New Zealand for a year. And Connery was being offered lots of movies that he could knock out in, the, in a period of a year. 
So it was less money for him. And I think it would have been more arduous. You look at those shots of them climbing over mountains. I mean, there, there probably would have been a lot more stunt doubles with Connery. Connery might, might not have lost himself in the role the way he lost himself in Henry Jones. But he he did know who he was. I mean, you look look at Dr. No, that, fir- that first opening of Dr. No, where he's at a Baccarat table lighting a cigarette and says uh, Bond, James Bond, is the first line he says. Like, he epitomizes that character. It's not even the first time James Bond has been played. There was a TV movie in the 50s where an American played James Bond, and it's not good. When I worked at the Museum of Television and Radio, we used to show it, and it's not good, and nobody remembers it now, and why would they? Sean Connery owned that role. He was a big guy. He was a big ex-Scottish trucker who came to symbolize class in the 60s. You know, there was this odd dichotomy of him when he was a young man. Of He was a big, tough guy, but, you know, he, uh, he did a campaign for Jim Beam, like, a, you know, a Kentucky bourbon. Uh, there, were, he, there was that feeling that he could play both sides. And as he went on, he did play, you know, the Elder Statement's roles he got. He always shined in them. And it was always a shame that he would take these kind of middle-aged guys trying to still be with it. It was like where Michael Douglas was until maybe Hank Pym of, you know, they, the women in their films getting younger and younger and younger. But without Connery, I mean, we, I don't think we'd have the action genre as we knew it. And it struggled when he left. I mean, George Lazenby, a lot of people really love Honor Majesty's Secret Service. When I was on the Joko cruise, Matt Fraction gave a TED Talk about On Her Majesty's Secret Service. And yeah, it's the best story, but George Lazenby just... Lazenby is kind of the best name for his performance. He Lazenby's that whole damn movie up. Uh, and he fights Telly Savalas. I, I'm not gonna say... I'm not gonna say it's the best Bond film. But with Connery in that role... If, if that was Connery's final one and he didn't come back for Diamonds Are Forever, which, I mean, you can see he doesn't want to be there and Never Say Never Again is really... Rowan Atkinson's in it and I can't recommend it. There's... Uh, there there was a... air of cool that Sean Connery really composed himself of. And I think it's... I think he think he took that kind of feeling of cool we had with Sinatra in the forties and Elvis in the fifties. And he gave it he gave it real muscle behind it. And I think as again, again, since then we've been looking for that. And there's a scale of bonds of tough to suave, you know, and where everybody falls on that line. You know, Daniel Craig is more, more tough than suave. Pierce Brosnan was more suave than tough. Uh You've got to find somebody who can do both, and Connery could do both. I mean, 90 is a long, long life. And, uh, you know, it's not, doesn't look like a, a casualty of COVID. It's not, it's not a harbinger of fuck 2020. I'm so tired of fuck 2020. It's, it's so hack at this point. Dude, you guys were complaining about 2019. You were complaining about 2018. How about just life sucks now and let's do something to turn it around. Stop 
blaming, oh, 2020 is so bad. Here's a picture of a fire. It's 2020. It's like, that's, guys, you're making 2020 longer. I'm saying this in November, and I'm 73 years old. You're making it longer. Speaking of longer, this is as long as I think we should talk to just me. So, uh... (laughs) I just wanted to say those words about Sean Connery. Uh, did, lo- did love his work. I think he was the backbone of film action. Uh, I mean, Errol Flynn was a, a great acrobat, but I can't think of real action guys before Connery. John Wayne. John Wayne didn't get into a lot of fights. <laughs> John Wayne postured. You know, a lo- uh, Connery really threw himself into it. He had the... He had the ambition of a stuntman and the face of a leading man. And we've never seen another bomb like that. I don't think we're ever going to see another actor like that. Well, we'll be back next week. Uh, the election will be over. I don't know how we're going to feel. I don't know what to expect. But uh, we'll have our guest back. Um, I'm appearing on the Nerd of All Trades podcast. I think that might appear in a week or two, and I will repost that. And I'll tell you where I'll repost that. I'll repost that on Facebook. That is Caffeinated Comics Facebook page, caffeinatedcomics.com slash facebook.com. Let's take that again. Uh, it's Facebook. It's facebook.com slash caffeinatedcomics. You're not going to put Facebook at the end of your own URL. Nobody's going to understand that. But you can also follow me on Twitter. I'm not in my book. I'm on Twitter and Instagram. That is the official Caffeinated Comics social feed. And if you are not subscribed to the show, if you uh, just hear about it here and there, if you want to subscribe and make sure you don't miss an episode, uh, you can go to iTunes. That's the way I do it. Or the Apple Podcast app. That's the way I'm supposed to do it, but I never deleted my iTunes. You can go to Stitcher. You can go to Spotify. You can go to Amazon Music. There are so many different ways to listen to the Caffeinated Comics podcast. Either way you do it, we'll talk to you next week.